And this is the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there. Yet he could not escape notice, but a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then, looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Epphaphtha, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one. But the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Creator, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I love efficiency in all that I do. If I can make something more efficient, I am all about it. And certainly that is the case when it comes to driving. When I drive, even if it's a familiar location, I'll put it in the GPS just to make sure I have the most efficient route available to me. It drives my wife absolutely crazy. And particularly, I've realized there's a certain app I like to use called Waze. And I don't know if you're familiar with Waze, but Waze isn't just a GPS. It's like a crowdsourcing social media platform, all kinds of stuff you probably shouldn't be doing while you're driving. But the truth of the matter is, Waze gets you where you gotta go in the most efficient way possible. Live time updates. Where are the delays? Where is maybe the nearest red light camera you might drive by? Where is that friendly police officer who'd love to maybe pull you over and explain the local rules and regulations of the road? It tells you everything because other drivers using the app are constantly uploading and sharing their information so that your drive is efficient as possible, sometimes to an absurd degree. Because sometimes I've found myself driving through alleys in the city and like through the living room of, of people down the block because it will send you anywhere to avoid and obstruction. You see, being constantly rerouted is what reminds me of our gospel here today. Jesus is traveling in an unfamiliar territory. He needs help to orient himself. And when he finally starts to meet the locals, they completely and utterly reroute him and his ministry as he learns lessons from the people that he has come to heal. Jesus, you see, is trying his best to keep a low profile at this point, and he is failing wonderfully at it. He can't stay out of the limelight if he tries. It says he could not escape notice. 
Certainly this is true of a particular woman, a woman, a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin, a Greek woman, a woman who comes and begs him to heal her daughter. And upon being begged to do it, you know Jesus' response? Oh, of course I'll help. Oh, that's my thing. How did you know? I love healing people. Oh, just bring her here and we'll fix her up. It'll be great. No, that's not what happens at all. That wouldn't be much of a sermon anyway, right? That would have been too easy. No, no. And instead, Jesus essentially says, well, take a number, and then proceeds to call her a dog, which is about as terrible as it sounds. That's, that's where our gospel leads us here today, not the response that we would expect from Jesus. In fact, it's such a discomforting response that over the years, theologians and people of faith alike have decided there must be more to this story. There has to be an explanation for Jesus's, well, not so Jesus-y behavior. And I love some of the excuses we've come up with. Oh, he was tired. He travels a lot. And when you got jet lag, it's just really hard to be nice to people, which I get. But come on, guys, we're, we're better than that. Another, another good excuse that I've heard is, well, you know, he didn't call her a dog. It was a puppy. And puppies are sweet and kind and nice. So it's just a bad translation. Oh, no, it, it's not. It, it's absolutely what it sounds like, whether you read it in Greek or English. It doesn't matter. And then, of course, the other good excuse is, well, he's just testing her faith. That's all it is. It's a test of her faith. Even though nowhere in Mark's gospel does it say anything about the woman's faith or a test. In other words, I think Jesus means what he says. And I think this is maybe one of those rare glimpses where the fully divine is also fully human where he lives in a stratified world, a stratified world where some people have precedent in, in, over others, where some people get preferential treatment. I think that's the reality here today, as uncomfortable as it can be. And as shocking as Jesus' response is, I think the woman's response is even more shocking. She doesn't care about the insult. She accepts it. She says, sure, fine, I'm a dog, but even if that be the case, there's more to this. And he pushes her to expand his vision for his own ministry. Well, Jesus kind of gears towards this privileged access for the chosen people of God, this woman dissents. And in her dissenting voice, she sees abundance so great that there is no reason why she or her daughter should have to wait. She sees such great power that even a crumb is enough to do miraculous things. When this woman protests, when she goes against what Jesus has to say, it doesn't diminish his power. In fact, it increases it. It expands it. Her response in saying, hey, there is enough already. Why should we wait? In some ways, in my opinion, is a conversion moment for Jesus. It opens him up to possibilities previously not considered. And in similar fashion, Jesus continues along. And another group of people comes and begs for his healing touch, in this case, for their friend, for their friend whose tongue is unable to speak. And Jesus goes, and he goes to the man, and he restores the man's health. And in restoring the man's health, he also restores the man's place in the community. Because physical ailments, you see, physical ailments were believed to be a result of sin. And so now this man is not only physically healed, 
but from a community perspective, he is now once more a upstanding member of the community. And I think my favorite part is this. Jesus tells the man to open his mouth to speak and then immediately says, tell nobody. He gives him the ability to talk and says, don't say a word. And I love that Mark says, the more he ordered them not to talk, the more zealously they proclaimed it. Just like my kids, right? The more you tell them not to say something, the more they're gonna say it. And I think what I love the most is the faithful defiance of this man and this woman in our gospel here today. The harder that they are pressed for secrecy, the more that Jesus wants to contain the good news, the wider that good news starts to spread. Their defiance reroutes Jesus and removes any possible barriers from people to receive this good news. Because I'm going to tell you, there have been a lot of barriers over the years that have gotten in the way. That's why it's important we welcome people in to hear the good news, regardless of sexual identity or orientation perhaps of color, culture, socioeconomic circumstance. You may be familiar with those words of welcome because we use them at the table each and every week. Because you see, these are no longer barriers between us and God. The most efficient way to know God's love is to ensure that all people have access to it to remove any possible roadblocks. It is exhausting to have to sit and pick and choose who is and isn't worthy. Instead, it's so much easier to just assume that all of us already are. Because that, you see, that gets us to the kingdom of God faster than any other route imaginable. Because I think the gospel is meant to be the worst kept secret. Jesus tells these people, don't say a word knowing full well they can't help it. And I think we need to be the same way. To go out into the world and feel so compelled by the good news that we have that we can do no other than share it, regardless of who it is we share it with. Because the truth of the matter is, we are all worthy of God's love, and that's no secret. So thanks be to God. Amen.